That where other people have not filled their, uh, other people in the word didn't fulfill their calling, David fulfilled his calling. And so we want to look at King David's life. We want to look at King David's heart. And we want to understand what made David different. Why, why did he have a heart after God? What does that mean? And how can I have a heart for God like David? And how, how is it that he fulfilled his calling? What was different about David? That were, when all the other Israelites were scared of Goliath, including King Saul, David wasn't scared. He was filled with confidence, faith. And not only that, David had this intimate relationship with God. And he would hear the Lord and he would do what God said. And, and as a king, he was a very successful king. You guys remember I said that he led Israel into the greatest time of prosperity in every way. Spiritual prosperity, economic prosperity, you know, all, all the different things. I think that God's promises were fulfilled for Israel uh, more in David's reign than in any other king. And when Jesus comes back, that'll be the only other time that it'll be better. But we want to know how to be like King David as we're learning to follow Jesus. And today I want to talk to you specifically about praying or worshiping with the Word of God. I want to empower you, I want to equip you with some tools today to pray the Scriptures, to, to pray with the Word or to worship with the Word of God. It's going to be help you a, a, a ton. And so if you will, turn with me to Psalm 1, because we're going to look at some Psalms. And also, you can put your finger in Galatians 3, because we're going to look at that briefly. But mostly, I'm going to point out some psalms to you today as we uh, look at David's example of how to pray or worship with the Word. <clears throat> so, Father, I ask that you would motivate us, stir us up to spend time with you every day, to get into your Word and get your Word into our hearts and to get your Word out of our mouth. I ask for motivation, grace upon my friends that they would be motivated to spend time with you. Fill us with hunger and longing and expectation when we hear your word, when we read your word, when we come to church, when we go to home group, that we would meet with you and encounter you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so two things I want to remind you about King David before we, before we really look at the word here, but just reminding you that about a month ago, I told you that there were Two things that really set David apart that made him different than other people. One, the way he thought, and, and two, the way he lived. You'll remember that I had said, asked you the question, why is it that David had such confidence, such faith, such intimacy, even his character? Where did it come from? And, and I argued, and I showed you from the scriptures, if you remember, that the main thing about David that made him different was that he knew and he understood and he believed that he had a covenant with God. Some of you may remember that. And we talked about what it means to have a covenant with God. See, David understood that Abraham had a covenant with God, that God made promises to this man named Abraham. And because David was a descendant of Abraham, David got to get those covenant promises as well. And so when David would hear about the promises made to Abraham, when he would read in the Bible, Genesis... Exodus, Numbers, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Joshua. When he would read the Bible that he had in those days, he would hear the promises, he would hear the commands, and he would think to himself, that's the God of Abraham, that's the God of Isaac, that's the God of Jacob, that's my God. I have a covenant with God. God is my God. God has made promises to me. And so he would read it and he would say, those promises are my promises. That God is my God. And those commandments are also my commandments. I need to do them. 
And so he aligned his heart with that kind of faith. You remember we talked about that, right? That he understood and he believed that he had a covenant with God. This is really, really important. Because if you don't understand that the God of Abraham is your God, that the God of David is your God, and that the Scriptures, the Bible, is not just a book that was written to people who are already long gone and dead, but that the Bible is God's Word to you, you won't pray it. You'll either think that it's, it's uh, irrelevant, oh, the Bible is just some archaic book, it's irrelevant, or you'll think, well, how do I know? How do I know I can take that for me? That is the number one question I get from people. But Dave, wasn't, wasn't that written to like the Israelites? How do you know? I mean, those are old. that's the Old Testament. How do you know that's for you? How do you know that's for us? How do you know how to apply it? Well, we always read the Bible in context, which means that if it was a story about Abraham, God met Abraham, well, then that's the story. That's the context of that story. We never take the Bible out of context and just make the Bible say what we want to say. So we always want to honor the original context. Yes, the stories happened to them. God met Abraham and spoke to Abraham, or God met Joshua and spoke to Joshua. Or the stories we're reading, we're reading about David and Goliath. That was a story about David and Goliath. Let me ask you a question. Why was it written? The story happened. David killed Goliath by faith, power of God. God spoke to Abraham and made a covenant with Abraham. But why was it written? It was written for your sake. It happened for their sake. It was written for your sake. See, just listen to this. I probably should have had you turn here, but it's okay. Just listen to this verse. 2 Timothy 3. It's a very important scripture in the New Testament. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God, including women, but that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. How much of Scripture is God-breathed? Oh, I'm sorry. It says inspired by God, given by inspiration of God. But the Greek word is theonoustos, literally God-breathed. See, the Bible, all the Scripture, how much of it? It says all Scripture. The word Scripture just means that which is written. That which is written. All the scripture, all that God wrote, he wrote through human beings. They're like the pens, he's the author. He's the author. The Holy Spirit wrote the Bible. God, through human beings, it says that all scripture is God-breathed. And notice what it says. It is profitable for doctrine, right? That's truth, reality, for reproof, correcting us, for encouraging us. And instruction in righteousness, how to live. And what's the purpose? So that the one who's reading it, the man of God, the woman of God who's reading it, may be complete, thoroughly equipped. Why was it written? Does it say it's profitable for the guy who's dead? Did David need the story to be written? No, it already happened, right? David already took Goliath out. Why does this story need to be written for David? And so when you read the Bible, you read the Gospel of Luke. You read, like we're going to be in, in Luke, or, or you're reading Romans. Yes, you're reading someone else's mail. Romans was written by Paul to the church in Rome. But why is it that you cannot hear God speak to you 
through the book of Romans or through, the, or through Luke? How is it that you can take the story of David, the testimony of what God did through David, and learn from David's life and apply it to your life? How is it that God made a promise to Joshua or God made a promise to Abraham and you can apply it to your life? The reason why is because you have a covenant with God too. And that the scripture, all the scripture, has been written by God for you so that you would be equipped, so that you would become the person that God has called you to be. It's for you. Amen? And so look in uh, in Galatians 3. I, I told you to look there if you want. You don't have to. You can listen. But Galatians 3 verse 26, listen to what Galatians 3 says. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. So if you've put your trust in Jesus, you've become a son of God. Even those of you who are ladies, it applies to you. It's referring to your inheritance. But you could say sons, sons and daughters, but it says sons. For, all, for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And then he goes on to explain. For as many of you who were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither, neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. What that means is that when God sees you, he sees Christ. All of us are in Christ. And so whether you're slave or free or a male or female or dif- different race or different culture, we're all Relate to God on the basis of Christ. He is your righteousness. And so none of us can boast. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor or this or that. No, we're all in Christ. And we've all been saved by grace. And we all have the same inheritance in Christ as sons of God. Verse 29. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed or descendant and heirs according to the promise. And so we've been learning this, that you have a covenant with God. Because you're in Christ, God has made promises to you in Christ, but you also are a son or an heir of Abraham, which means just like Abraham had a covenant with God and God made promises to Abraham, you get those same things. How do, you know, how do I know you get the Old Testament ones? Because you're a, the seed of Abraham. More than that, because Jesus obeyed every command, he gets all the promises. He fulfilled the Old Testament. He is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. You get it all. So every portion of Scripture, you open it up. It's been written by God, inspired by God, to give to you what you need. And you are in Christ, and you have this covenant with God. And so all those promises in Genesis, all the way to Revelation, all those promises, all those commands, all, those, all the principles of wisdom, all the truth, all the doctrine, it's all for you. See, that's step one of knowing how to pray or worship according to the word. You've got to understand that you have the right, and I would argue even the responsibility, but you have the right to take the word of God, having read it in context, sure. You have the right to take the word of God and to utilize it for your own relationship with God. You can take these scriptures and you can personalize them. And the way that we personalize it is through meditating the scriptures and through praying and worshiping the word. Let me just say again, how is it that David cultivated faith and intimacy with God? How is it that David cultivated character? How is it that David cultivated this kind of confidence in God? And think about it, even though David had a calling from God to be king, where did he learn what it meant to be king? He learned from the word. 
The, it's the word that gave David the equipment to become the man that he was called to be. It was the word. I've told you before, David didn't have an angel appear to him. David didn't have some like burning bush experience. All David had was the same thing you and I have, the word. And so all David did, he had a calling from God that he would become king, and he had the word. And he would take the word of God, and he would utilize the word of God in prayer, in worship, and he would personalize the Bible to himself in prayer and worship. That's how he cultivated faith. That's how he cultivated intimacy with God. That's why he was a man after God's heart. Or I don't want to say that's the definition of what it means to be a man after God's heart. I'm just saying that's the way he became it. Okay? And so we said this a couple a month ago or so, that number one, he knew and he understood he had a covenant with God. And number two, he had a history with God. He didn't just read about Abraham or read about Joshua and leave it at that. He had a history with God, which means he had his own relationship with God. He had his own time with God. He had his own words that he would speak to God. He took the word and prayed it and meditated it and sang it back to God in a way to cultivate his own history with God, his own relationship with God. Think of it like this. Think of the promises in the scripture. Think about the the, the scriptures and the covenant as your inheritance. David understood he had an inheritance. Somebody dies, they give you an inheritance. And so David understood, I've got this inheritance. I've got these promises from God. I've got this, this Bible that is from God to me. And I have this calling to be king, and I have this inheritance All the resources I need to become the man that I was called to be, it's right there in front of me. And as Scott said, in seed form. It's your inheritance. But unless you take your inheritance and you invest it, you won't make any more money. David took the inheritance. He wasn't starting at zero. He wasn't starting as poor or in debt took his inheritance and he invested it through praying the word of God. He took the seed and he planted it and watered it. Does that make sense? And that's what the Lord wants you and I to do. He wants you to understand you have a covenant with God. You have this Bible right there in front of you like seeds or like an inheritance. You're not starting with God in debt. You're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He loves you and he's made promises to you and he delights in you and he has a plan for your life. But how are you going to know what that plan is? How are you going to hear God? How are you going to cultivate the faith to actually walk that plan out? How are you going to cultivate the kind of character, humility that it takes to fulfill your calling? Nobody gets exalted without humbling themselves first. How do you cultivate that kind of humility in your life? Well, some people, they're just born with it. No way. None of us are born with faith and wisdom and humility. You ever met kids? No, you don't say, no, I'm being silly. They have childlike faith maybe, but come on. None of us are born. I mean, maybe we were born created in the image of God, but because of the fall, all of us, we grow up with wrong ways of thinking. We grow up self, defending ourselves, pride. We grow up with fear. We grow up getting disappointed by people. And yet God is perfect and faithful and never lies. So it's so hard for us to put our faith in God when we've had all this disappointment. We don't grow up with humility. Oh, yeah, I just want to serve you, want to love you. I mean, my kids, I mean, that's how they are every day in my house, you know. 
Oh, here, let me, let me give you the Cheerios. Oh, would you like to play with my toy? Here, of course you can play with my toys. Do you really think that's how it is in my house? No. We don't grow up wanting to share, wanting to walk in humility, thinking, you know, God, I just want my life to be all for your glory. We don't think that. How do you cultivate that? Only by the Word. You've got to have a history with God. And so you take your inheritance and you invest it. You take the seeds and you sow it in. Okay, so David, for example, David heard Joshua chapter 1. I'm gonna, we're going to turn to Psalm 1 here in just a second. Joshua, uh, David heard Joshua chapter 1. And it says, the book, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. From your mouth. But you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. See, David heard that and he wrote a song about it. Psalm 1. David says this. Verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. Where did he get that line from? He got it from Joshua 1. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. That was written to Joshua, not David. David can't do that. That was a personal promise from Joshua to, from God to Joshua, right? Yes, it was a personal promise, but it's also to us. So David heard the promise that God made to Joshua, and he said, well, I have a covenant with God. God is my God. God told Joshua, Joshua, you're called to be the leader of your people, to, fight, to lead them as the, as the general of the army, lead them in, and to bring them into their inheritance. Well, I'm called to be the king. I'm called to lead God's people into their inheritance. In fact, for many generations now, the enemy, the, the, the God's people have been compromising and the enemy's been taking our land back and God wants me to be king and God wants me to take God's people's inheritance back and give it back to him. That's how David thought. Yeah, that's how David thought. David thought, man, I am like Joshua. I'm supposed to lead God's people. I'm a warrior. I'm supposed to be king. I'm supposed to give God's people their inheritance back. Huh. Well, I, I should probably meditate the word. Wait a minute. It says right here, if I'll meditate the word, I'll do what God says. Right? It says, meditate the word day and night that you may do according to all that is written in it. See, meditation is personalization. It takes the scripture and then personalizes it to your life. But meditation is also the bridge between hearing and doing. You start with no faith, or you start with your inheritance, I should say, but you start with like, I don't know if I have the character or the faith or the wisdom to do what God has called me to do. I don't know how to be the husband God has called me to be. I don't know how to love. I don't know how to be a man of God. I don't know how to hear God. People do that all the time. But Dave, I don't know how to hear God. But Dave, I don't know how to do this. Neither do any of us, you know? And you start with, I don't know, and I don't know how. And, the, and David read and said, well, if I'll meditate that, then I'll do according to all that is written in it. So if I'll meditate it, I'll do it. Oh. See, Joshua, Joshua didn't have to split the Red Sea. But when Joshua meditated on Moses splitting the Red Sea, okay, God told him, lift up your staff, I'll part the Red Sea. 
and, and okay, so that's how, so he would meditate that story. Man, my God splits Red Sea. My God splits seas in half. Man, God destroyed the Egyptians. That's my God. Joshua meditated that. So do you remember Joshua walked up to the Jordan River? And he told the, he told the, the priests, take the ark into the, into the Jordan. The Jordan was overflowing. Take the ark into the Jordan. The priests walked into the Jordan while it was flowing, and then it stopped. And the people of Israel walked on dry land the second time across the Jordan River. Right? The, uh, Joshua would meditate the word, and that's how he was able to gain victory. So David, he thinks, man, that's my God, that's those stories. So he would meditate how Joshua took out Jericho. Well, God told him to march around the walls and then shout, and that's what God did. Oh, man, that's awesome. That's my God. That, that's how it works. That's how you walk by faith. He'd think about Moses. He'd read about all these different stories. In fact, one of David's favorite stories was from Exodus 33 and 34 when Moses went into the tabernacle and talked face to face with God. And God showed up and told David, I am gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, rich in love and faithfulness. God revealed to David one of the most powerful things that anyone could ever reveal to somebody, your heart. God declared his name and his heart to David. And so David would take that, that statement, you are gracious and compassionate, soul to anger, rich and faithfulness. Psalm 86 and a bunch of other psalms. David took that phrase and he would sing it back to God. And David would say to God, I just want to dwell in your house all the days of my life. Why did he say that? Because he saw Moses would just be with God. In fact, Joshua would stay in the tabernacle. When Moses would talk to God face to face, he would leave. Joshua would stay there. David was inspired by these things. So David would me- read the Bible, or at least hear the Bible, and he would meditate on this. And he would think to himself, man, if I'll meditate the word, I'll do what the word says too. So when David stood before Goliath, right? David stood before Goliath. He said, the battle belongs to the Lord. I'm going to take your head off. Where did that faith come from? How did he know how to speak those words of faith in order to see God slay that giant through him? Well, he already had seen God opened the Red Sea. He'd already seen Joshua take out Jericho. Do you understand what I'm saying? So that when he saw Goliath, he's thinking, my God can do that? How did he do that? Because he meditated the word and he sang it and he prayed it back to God. Meditation is the bridge between hearing and doing. You start with not having the faith. You start with not having the wisdom and it cultivates it. And so David, so this is just one example in Psalm 1 where he would hear the word, and he would say, oh, okay, so he read it, and he would sing it back to God. He just made a song about it. I'm going to meditate your word day and night. Lord, I delight in your word, and I thank you that he who puts their trust in you and delights in your word meditates day and night will prosper in everything that they do. And he would sing this to God, and he would pray this to God. This is what he would do. <clears throat> One of my favorite is in uh, Psalm 8. You want to jump over to Psalm 8 real quick? And David is on a, on a I kind of imagine David uh, watching sheep. He, remember, he was a shepherd as a young man. He sang this probably as a young man. He's meditating on the Lord. It's probably nighttime. The stars are out. The moon is out. And he's just sitting there looking up at the stars. And he's marveling at the creation of God. <clears throat> I got stuck here. Hold on. He's marveling at the creation of God. And he's saying in verse 1, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth, who have set your glory above the heavens. 
He's just marveling at God's creation as he's sitting out there by himself. And in verse 3 says, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you were mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? So he's, he's looking at how huge the heavens are. Just like you and I would. I mean, and, and you and I know that there's like billions of light years and all the galaxies and all this stuff. But he didn't even know any of that. He's just looking at the stars and the moon and going, dang. Right? And he starts thinking, who are we? Who are we? Such this vast universe. Who are we? And he says, what is man? What, who are human beings? He says that you are mindful of him. Literally means thoughtful. Just like if I gave you a gift, he's, oh, that's so thoughtful. He's saying that you would think about us. Now, where does he get the idea that God is thoughtful towards us, that he would care about us? Where does he even get that idea from? He goes on, and the son of man that you visit him. The word visit there is like the idea of visiting somebody in a hospital, not to say that, but like the idea of um, going and caring for someone, like coming to them and so really, he's saying, visiting us with good, visiting us with care, helping us out, kind of thing. So he's saying, man, what, is, what are people that you think about us, and you, you're thoughtful, and you're caring, and you, you visit us? So he obviously is thinking about God's love and God's care in the midst of this vast universe. And listen to what he says in the next verse, which I will bust up right now. Verse 5, for you have made him a little lower than the angels and have crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, even the beasts of the field, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea that pass through the paths of the seas. Lord, our Lord, how majestic or how excellent is your name in all the earth. Where did he get that from? From level one of OSL. Some of you know what I'm talking about. No, he got that from Genesis 1.26. Genesis 1.26 says that God made us in his image and gave us to have dominion over the works of his hands. It's right out of Genesis 1.26. He's meditating the word of God. That's amazing. Most of us read Genesis 1.26 and go, all right. Most of us would not get very much devotional stuff out of Genesis 1.26. He's looking at the heavens and asking, who am I? Who am I? And you know what his answer is? He gets his answer right from the Word. He doesn't get his answer from the culture around him. See, if you're not in the Word every day, you're going to let the world tell you who you are. You're going to let the world shape your values and your morals and your identity and your self-worth. But if you're in the Word, David heard... Man, I'm made in the image of God. I have been given dominion over the works of God's hand. That's a big deal, God. We're the pinnacle of your creation. We're your daily delight. You think about us. You care about us. You've crowned us with glory and honor. And all that does is fill them with even greater wonder. See, many of us who, I know when I was a non-believer, I'd go to the beach and walk on the beach and look at the stars and think, Man, I'm lost. Who am I? This big universe. What's my life all about? Many of us, many people in our world, we're confused. We're lost. We don't know who we are. David knew who he was. Why? Because he prayed the word. But how do you get that into your heart where you really believe it? 
where you really walk in that reality, where there's a replacing of the identity the world gave you, and it gets replaced with the identity that you have in Christ, you've got to say it before God. See, faith coming into your heart, I'm sorry, the word coming into your heart builds up faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. But it's when the word comes out of your mouth that it moves you from hearing to doing. It's when you pray the word or sing the word out of your mouth that it releases power to change you and to change things around you. I heard this awesome, or I was reading, I've been, um, I'm really excited about uh, planting a garden soon. I've been getting into this. So I've been researching how to plant a garden. And uh, before I would just, before I really started to learn how to enjoy God and enjoy life, it'd be, that just seemed too frivolous to me, and you know, I need to work. Or I'd just be too scared to even try, right? But now I'm like, yeah, this is awesome. So I've been researching. And many of you know that in order to have some really good uh, crops, you need something called compost. It's basically biodegraded or uh, 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 organic material. You know, you take a food or old, uh, old food or something, and it biodegrades. So my dad has this compost. It's a big black box. puts the food and leaves and everything in there. And over time, it biodegrades, and it turns to this, it's amazing, black, really rich black dirt. It's amazing. It's full of nutrients. And the other thing about it is it's full of worms. I didn't know that. Now, it takes time for this to happen. But as I was reading about this compost, and like I was thinking maybe I could borrow some from my dad, I don't know, and, uh, or go buy some, I found out you can take barren soil, dry, barren soil, take compost, and work even just a little bit, not to, you know, a few inches or something, and you can work it into the barren soil. Let it sit there, and the craziest thing will happen. Worms. I did not know how important worms are. Did you know how important worms are? They're, uh, uh, they're, they're some of the most important animals out there. Bees, worms, that kind of, these kind of animals, or insects, what do we call them? Worms are literally attracted to compost. So where they would not be in the dry, arid you know, soil, you put a little bit of compost in there, they will, I don't know if they smell it or something. No, I'm joking. They will find that compost. They will come through the dirt, get the compost from the top, and pull it down. And what they do is because they burrow through all those, uh, the dirt, they make holes in the dirt, and they aerate it, and they, they make it all moist. But they also, they take the dirt, and they eat it, and, you know, poop it out and all that, and they create more, they create the compost. That blue, I'm reading that one day, I'm reading that, and I go, no way! That's like meditation! Worms! Worms! I know. You're waiting. Now, what's the connection? I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you can take the hardest heart. You can take the hardest heart. You can take the heart with no faith. Depressed, broken, bound, addicted. You can, it doesn't matter. Jesus said himself, whoever comes to me, hears my sayings and does them. Whoever, it doesn't matter who you are. You can have the most barren soil. And all you need a little bit of compost. What does that mean? All you need. If you don't have any faith, you start listening to the word preached from somebody who does have faith. Put that compost on your heart. Work it in there a little bit. Read the word. But I'm telling you, you take the word and you start getting the word out of your mouth. Start working that compost into your heart. 
it'll attract faith. It will release the power, the nutrients, the life of God. Don't worry, you won't get worms. I remember when, as a new Christian, I always felt like my words, my worship to God, I was really hungry for the Lord, would often seek the Lord and pray, spend a lot of time with God, but I always felt my words fall short. Not necessarily in a bad way, but I always felt, I would go through seasons where I think, man, this just isn't doing it. I want to connect with God on a deeper level, or I want to just express my love to God more. I I didn't know how to pray. I didn't know how to worship. And so uh, I would find my words lacking for years. And then one day I went to this conference, and at this conference, it was actually a season where I was very depressed, and I did not believe the word was for me. I didn't. Really struggling, very discouraged. And uh, the Lord was working in me. He had told me, you have a ton of pride. And he said, you left your first love. There was some real deep correction going on in my life. So I said, oh, Lord, you know, humble me. Lord, bring me back to my first love. So I was there humbly before the Lord. And a man began to talk about praying the word. Just like some of what I'm talking about now. Began to say, take the word. Pray the word out loud back to God. And I began to do this. I didn't feel it. And it, 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 it seems rote at first. It seems a little awkward at first, to be very honest with you. But you're taking the word of God. You can personalize it. You can use your own words. But, but it, you take the word and you uh, uh, use the word as a template for your own prayer life. So many people say, I don't still know what to say to God. Use the word. Or like me, my words felt lacking. I always felt that there was more that I could express to God. I always felt that lacking in my words until I started praying the word. When I started using the word, now I probably did this a little bit by accident, but now I do it intentionally. And sometimes I do it very rote, like I'll pray through a scripture. Other times I just read and meditate on that scripture a lot until it becomes my language in prayer. But either way, you know, I don't just like, I don't just go, how excellent is your name, O oh God, in all the earth? You are so glorious. Like, it's not like that. I don't mean like that. And I'll take the word and I'll use, use the word as my template in prayer. And since I started doing that years ago, over a decade, I have not felt my words lacking in prayer. But it's brought such a depth and a richness. But more than that, in that place of depression, in that place of not having faith, in that place of just feeling like, I don't know. I don't know who I am. Very confused in that season of my life. And I didn't feel anything. I just started praying the word out loud. By faith. <laughs> it was more like a fool's hope back then. I, I just, just started doing it. I called it my prayer experiment. I just started praying the word out loud. And I remember one time I was in my dorm room. And I was praying through some scriptures in Romans 8. In fact, I really encourage like Ephesians 1 and Romans 8. I used those a lot back in those days. They're scriptures about our identity. And I remember just declaring those things to God. Say, Lord, I'm your son, and and all that kind of stuff. And I remember feeling like I was lying. I was making it up. I was scared people would hear me. You know, I was in my dorm room. Lord, Lord, you call me your son. (laughs) Looking around, no. And I, I was saying it to God, scared that I was lying. And I remember the Lord said, "What you say is true." 
Oh, I held on to that for years. It's not like I felt anything after that, but I, it's called the witness of the Spirit, I think. Yeah. This is the Word. Now, since then, I've learned what I'm telling you right now, that this is your covenant. This is your inheritance, that this Word is your Word. And you can take these Scriptures, like David took the Scriptures and meditated it, sang it back to God, and it cultivated that in his life. You can take the Word of God and cultivate it in your life. Amen? Amen. So let's do it. Jen, come on up. And Jen's going to lead us in singing the word and, and praying the word back to God. I encourage you, as she comes up and kind of gets situated, I encourage you, number one, don't make it too complicated. Like, don't think you've got to be all that. I oftentimes will start with a worship song, a very simple worship song, and then I'll take that chorus from that worship song and turn it into my own words, but I'll use the word... I often, I often don't, I don't sing all the time. Let me just say that. I often will just pray or worship with my own words. But so, singing really helps. Another thing I want to encourage you is just do it. Think about it. If you sit there and think about working out and think about exercising, are you going to get any healthier? I mean, really, if the person who sits there and thinks about it, okay, wait, well, but I don't want to work out the wrong way. I mean, I, I wouldn't want to run the wrong way and everything. You know? If you do that, you're never going to get healthier. What do you do? You put some shoes on and go outside and run. And you're not going to like it, are you? In fact, the first time you work out and the first time you run, if it's been a while, what do you feel like doing? Throwing up, right? Let me tell you something. When you haven't spent time with God and you're spiritually out of shape, praying more than five minutes, just like running more than five minutes, you're going to be like, oh, wow. And if you give up at that point, you're not going to go any further. The Lord wants you to spend time with Him every day. It doesn't have to be 30 minutes, but that's what we're encouraging. A little bit of time in the Word, a little bit of time with the Word coming out of your mouth. And you just, the simplest way I do it is when I read the Word, I add thank you to it. Thank you, Lord, that your Word says. Thank you that your Word says. Thank you that you promise. Thank you that you say I'm the Son of God. Thank you that you say this. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You can do it however you feel led. You can quote it, you can declare it, you can sing it, you can pray it. But keep it simple. But more than anything, like I said, like working out, just do it. Amen? So that's what we're going to do. We're going to just do it. So can we stand? Do we we stand? Okay, let's stand. And Jen's going to lead us in doing this, all right? So don't leave yet.